Good morning. Glad to be here today. Quite glad to be here today. Excited about being here today. Think of the most generous person that you can think of. Just take a moment, think, who's the most generous person that I've ever met or maybe that you know right now? Just picture that person for a second. Maybe it'd take you a few seconds to picture someone that's just generous. Who comes to mind? Now, as you picture that person, what are some characteristics about that person that come to mind about them? Is there a smile? Is there joy when you're around them? Is it someone that you enjoy spending time with? Is it someone who is selfless and just has a gusto for life? And is it someone that's friendly? What comes to mind when you think of that generous person in your life now or somewhere in your past? Now, think about the most stingy person that you know. What comes to mind when you think about someone that's tight-fisted, holds on? And what characteristics come to mind? Does worry, anxiety, fretting, concern... Two different people when you think about generosity and stinginess. Generosity for us reflects our love for God. Generosity is never an obligation, but it's an invitation. It's not just sending food to the poor, the table of the poor. It's inviting the poor to your table. It's not some robotic, calculated action that flows from you have to but you want to. When you see it up close, you never forget it. Because someone is living with an open hand in life and not a closed fist. Someone has a big heart and not a closed heart. It's not lifting yourself up, but it's laying yourself down. It's simply living a life that gives life to others. And when you see it, you never forget it. And if you think about a person that's generous, generally speaking, they have seen it happen in front of them. Show me a generous kid, I'll show you a generous father or mother. Show me a stingy kid, I'll show you a stingy father or mother. Our children do what we do. And it reflects upon them and the way we live our lives. And every once in a while, you'll see it happen. There's a little girl by the name of Emily. She's three years old. And she saw in her world that there were cancer girls in her age that needed hair that were bald. And so she decided to give her hair because she saw others in need. And there was someone in her path, you can guarantee you, that she saw give to. But watch what Emily does because she chooses to be generous. Watch this. Sometimes kids get sick. And then they hear fall out. really, really sad.
My name is Emily James and I'm three years old. This is my Uncle Matthew. He gets my hair. I don't want any any kids at her. But but be sad that they have no hair. What I wanna do is give them my hair. Because I have more more hair. I can just cut some of the hair off and give it to someone. I try to stay nice and still when Matthew cuts my hair. I think Uncle Matthew is the best haircut in the world. Can't wait to look just like my dolly. Wow, me and my dolly look so pretty. Don't you just love that? That's the picture of generosity. How do you think she learned that? Why do you think she did that? There was someone in her path, and most likely it was a father or mother, that was very generous and had taught her that you give. If you have more, give. As a three-year-old girl, she decided to give her hair, and you saw the utter joy that happens when you give generously. It changes you. It changes those around you. Our Bible has a lot to say about being generous. Grab your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you need a Bible today, hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand. But turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 6 through 15. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read this out loud together. Would you stand with me? 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 15. Let's just see what the Bible has to say about generosity. Would you read it with me? Verses 6 to 15. Ready? Read. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give. You have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. You may have a seat. The truth is, the gospel itself, itself, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, eternal life that you and I possess, we have a relationship with Jesus, gives us motivation to live sacrificially. There's no greater, think about this for a second, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of how good this is. There's no greater, more generous gift than to lay your life down for someone. The Bible says that when God looked down on planet Earth, And he saw the need for mankind to have someone that would, perfect person that would give their life so they could get to God. He gave, the Bible says, his one and only son. He didn't make a clone. He didn't say, which he could have. He gave his one and only. He gave all that he had. He sacrificially gave his son. He didn't go to his tool shelf and say, I'll let you borrow the second hand and not the first hand. He didn't go to his closet and give the least of the clothes, but he gave his favorite, his best. It says he gave his one and only son so that you and I could have life through this perfect gift on the cross. He gave his very best. And the mere fact that the gospel represents God giving his best should motivate us to give our best. He gave willingly. Now, Jesus, he had a choice to make. God said, We're giving, I'm giving my son. Jesus willingly, generously gave his own life too. Let me just say some thoughts about how good the gospel is. We should never get over our salvation. Can I get one amen over there? <laughs> but we do. We should never get over our salvation. And once we truly grasp the measure of love God has given us, then living for him becomes utter joy. Sometimes I'm ashamed when I think about the way we just get over our salvation. There is nothing that compares to what Christ has given us on the cross. Nothing. And if you think something compares to that, let's just have a conversation. Nothing compares to the gift of salvation. Over the last month or so, I've been asking God, Lord, help me try to see the world the way you see the world. And obviously, I'll never be able to because I have a finite mind. But when you begin to ask God to help you see the world the way he sees it, you see people differently. You see lostness in people. You see a world that needs Jesus. You see brokenness. And you find yourself pausing and having conversations instead of rushing by. And and God is looking down at the world, and the reason he sent his son is because those people that are far from God need the gospel. They need this, this indescribable gift called salvation. Jesus didn't tithe his blood. He gave all. And sometimes we, we think, well, if I follow God, I need, to give, I need to give this percentage. 
Jesus gave everything for us. He didn't hold back. And so when Paul opens this up, he opens up with these two words. And when I read these two words in Scripture, I have to say, why did the Holy Spirit have these two words there? And when I read these, script, these, pat, these words in Scripture, I pause and say, I need to take a close look. Look at chapter 9 and verse 6. Look at the first two words. Just read them for me. Ready? Remember this. Read it again with me. Ready? Remember this. Remember what? And why are we supposed to remember it? Because we're prone to forget. And so Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, remember this. Remember what? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap what? Sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap what? Generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what's it mean? You give sparingly, you receive sparingly back. You give generously, you get generous back. The more you give, the more you receive. And then he says these words, not reluctantly or under compulsion. What does that mean? Well, let me try to demonstrate. I'll pull out my wallet here and, and I'll grab a couple dollars that I have here. And the word reluctant is, is this. Reluctancy has this picture of, okay, I'll give. It's kind of that expression like. And the word not under compulsion, it's mean, it means i got to give. Yet the truth is, it says that God loves a generous giver. What's a generous giver? <laughs> Let me ask you when you give. Is it, i got to do the right thing. This is the Christian thing to do. This is my tithe. So I reluctantly give. Or, or is it, I have to give. Or is it, What expression is your expression when you give? And Paul says, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, not because you have to, but because there's this appreciation in your heart after all, God, that you've done for me, then, God, I give generously too. Not because it's the Christian thing to do. Not even because it's the right thing to do. But it's an overflow of gratefulness that comes from appreciating the gospel. And what God has done for us, I get to give back. Woo! That's the picture. Did you feel that way the last time the offering plate went by you? (laughs) Or... Have you ever received something from someone and they say these words to you? They give you this gift and they say, well, the Holy Spirit prompted me to give you this. Here, take this. What do you feel like after that? It's almost like they were obligated to give. Like, well, God told me to. Here. Or how about when someone just comes up and says, you know what? I just want to bless you. Here. You know what? No reason at all. Here, just just take this. What's the difference in those? And someone might say, well, I I was listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, let me tell you, by the way, either way you give to me, I'm enjoying it. Just want to let you know. (laughs) But the point is, was it reluctant? Or because I have to? Because I couldn't go to sleep because the Spirit kept waking me up to give. 
Or is it just, I want to give because out of the appreciation of my heart, it is good to give. That's a generous spirit. That's an appreciation of the gospel. That's an awareness that I have already been given so much in light of what I've been given. I just want to give too. Plus, look what Paul says. Look down and read on. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Verse 7, it says, for God loves a what? And by the way, if God loves it, guess what? Then I want to do it. What's the word cheerful mean? In the original, it's the Greek word hilaros. It's where we get the English word hilarious. It's a contagious goodness. God loves a contagious good spirit. I would say a genuine follower of Jesus is a generous giver. I don't think it means you snicker or get the giggles when the offering plate comes by. It just means you love to give because you have this gratefulness for all that Christ has done and has given you already. And deep down, you just want to give out of an appreciation of your heart. Have you ever met someone like that? And you think, I want to be like that. Like, they just enjoy it so much. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time your generosity made someone question your sanity? Has anyone ever, have you ever questioned someone else's sanity because of the way they gave? Have you ever had someone just give you and you're like, whoa, like you're taken back like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, like, okay. <laughs> have you ever have received someone's generous giving and you questioned their sanity? We've had it happen many times in our lives, Ann and I, provisional care of God through our journey of getting where we're at today. And there have been people along the way that have just generously given, and we've just walked away, and we, we, we've been in our vehicle, we drove away, and we say, can you believe that? Like, can you believe that? We have hundreds of stories. I, I, I'll just tell you one. We, when I was finishing up Grace College and Grace Seminary, and I was graduating from seminary, we were getting ready to come to Goshen, the land of flowing with milk and honey. And, 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 and so we found out there wasn't much honey here, but anyhow, um, lots of milk. <laughs> and so we were coming here. We didn't know much about Goshen, and, and, and so we were, we were glad to be here. And I was working construction with my friend, he played basketball. I played basketball with him at Grace my freshman year, and, and, and we had worked together. I was self-employed as a carpenter, and so I was building homes. And so the two of us had built a bunch of homes along with uh, another friend, and, we, and, and, and Worth Packer built some homes together. And there's a family here who knows who Worth Packer is. <laughs> and, and, and we built some homes, and, 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 and so together the three of us built some homes. But at the end, I was working with Daryl Goodman, a good friend of mine. And, and so I would go to class and seminary, and then I'd go work, and as we're getting near the end, we're, I'm working on a house, and it was a hard goodbye because he was a brother to me, and, and his wife Stephanie were one of my wife, wife's best friends, and we were moving to Goshen, and we were saying goodbye, and, and uh, I remember the last goodbye to him, like, we're not going to be working together anymore, and we had such a good journey together. And he says, you know what, Jim, Steph and I have been talking, and he said, we, we're, we're so blessed by your friendship, your relationship, and our relationship, and he said, we know you're starting out in ministry, and, and it's tough to get started. And he said, you know what, we, we just want to give you this Ford F-150 truck. I was like, 
you, you want to give me the truck? He said, yeah. He said, you know, you, you've been a blessing to us, and, and, and so just take it. It was a $12,000 truck. He said, I just want you to take it. He said, do with it whatever you want. No strings attached. If you want to sell it so you can get on your feet. He said, sell it. Do whatever you want with it. Just take it. We've just, we just been blessed. And I remember driving this truck home, and for the first time I had driven it while I worked with him because he, he had purchased the truck, and so I drove it for, it was only three years old, and he let me drive it to the job sites, and so I was driving it. And I remember driving away that day and thinking, it's mine. <laughs> and the reason it was mine because he had given it to us. And so I went home and told Ann, and she's like, what? <laughs> Can you believe it? And so, you know, we did. We ended up selling it and buying a minivan and a and a Ford Ranger so that we could have vehicles for ministry. You never forget those moments when people give generously and you question their sanity. Recently, Ann and I had $500 that was passed on to us. And to be quite frank, we said, you know, we don't need this $500. We could have stored it away. And we said, let's, let's just bless someone with it. We don't need this extra $500. So together, collectively, we said, let's, let's just find people Along the way, just random people that were out and about, and let's just give them a crisp $100 bill. I tell you what, that's fun waking up every morning with that on your mind. And so we're just driving through Goshen and going out to eat, and we're blessing people. And, 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 and so I'm going through the car wash one day on, on Lincoln Way, and as I'm going through the car wash on Lincoln Way, we're driving the Jeep through, and Ann is with me. And there was a guy, it was a Saturday, he was working and cleaning up the inside of this car wash, and and as we're driving through, we both looked at each other and we went. And there was this guy who was working there. He's like, he's motioning me through, like, come on. I'm thinking, buddy, you don't know what's coming. <laughs> and so we go through the car wash and we get outside the car wash. You have to, sign says go. And, we, and I went over and parked and I went back in and kind of dodged the soapy suds. And that's went up to him and I pulled out a $100 bill and said, hey, man, this is for you. I hope this blesses your day. And he went, what? That for me? Is, yeah, dude, it's for you. God bless you. And he walked. And I, I just left. <laughs> I'm sure he questioned my sanity. <laughs> but the spirit is, you just give because you've been given. No person who has experienced the extravagant love of Jesus can be stingy. Giving produces a more loving heart. Stinginess shrinks your heart. It breeds isolation and worry. Giving opens you up and opens your heart to a much happier heart. In other words, it flows from a deep appreciation and an utter joy for your salvation. And some of us have forgotten what we've been saved from and saved to. And it shows by the way you control God's money. Jesus had a conversation in Matthew chapter 6, and he's, he said this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What does he mean by that? He says that your heart follows your treasure. So where you invest, that's where your treasure is. Where, where, where you give that's where your value is. I heard the story recently of a, a man who was a UNC Tar Heel fan. He loved the UNC Tar Heels. And he had UNC Tar Heel uh, colors, blue and white, all over his house. He had, he had stickers on his car. And he was a Roy Williams, a Dean Smith basketball fan. I mean, he was Tar Heel blue. 
And out of nowhere, basically, he began to root for the Duke Blue Devils. Now, we need to pray for those people. There's a few of you out there, and I'm praying for you. But in any case. And so his, his friends and family were like, what's up with him? Like, he was true blue. Why all of a sudden is, is this dude rooting for the Duke? You don't root for Duke Blue Devils and the UNC Tar Heels. And so they asked him, he said, how can you root for the Duke Blue Devils? He says, well... When your daughter starts going to Duke University and you send $70,000 a year, he says, your heart follows your treasure. (laughs) And so does yours. Show me your checkbook. Show me your receipts. Show me your possessions. I'll show you where your treasure is at. Show me where you spend your money. I'll show you what you value the most. Show me where you spend your time. I'll show you what you value the most. Would people know that you love God the most based upon where your spending and giving goes to? You see, the things you love are the things you give to, and the things you give to are the things you love. And hopefully it reflects in your life. And if you spend any time with me, you'll see that I value my family. I love my family. I love my wife. And maybe you're sick and tired of it, but guess what? That's my treasure on earth. Yes, Jesus is number one, but my wife and my kids and my son-in-law, I value them and I treasure them and I give my time and my effort there. If you spend time with me, you would know that, that, I, that I love heaven. <laughs> Why? Because I treasure heaven, because there's a home in heaven that's there for me and I want as many people as I can possibly No, join me in heaven because there's no better place than heaven with God. And if you spent some time with me, you would probably find out I love Grace Community Church. It's one of the things I give my time and my effort and my resources to. Why? Because I love Grace Community Church. If you spent time with me, you would know that I I talk a lot about men. Why? Because I believe if you get the man, it changes the world. And so I give my time, my resources, and my efforts. And the things I give towards, I value. And if you know that the reason I like Grace College is because my wife and myself, our older son, our daughter, and our younger son, who's a junior, we're all alumnus of Grace College. And they got a lot of our money. (laughs) And so guess what? My heart follows my treasure. And Jesus said in that verse, he says, your heart follows what you treasure. You want to know if you treasure God over everything else, then watch the treasure your heart follows. If it's God, it will show up in your giving. And why would God continue to give if all you do is keep it for yourself? So, what are some basics regarding resources? Here's one of them that flows from this text. Look at verse 8. Look what it says in verse 8. Verse 8 says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I mean, I, I looked up the word, Greek in, the word all in Greek, and guess what it is? It's all. You will be blessed abundantly in all things, in all times, having all that you need. He will supply all your needs when you're a generous giver. 
And so the key to contentment is not having all you want, but wanting what you have. And so there's been a prayer that I pray regularly. Lord, I walk into our, our whatever situation I'm in, wherever it's, it's me and things that are around me, and I say, Lord, help me to want what I have. God, give me a hunger and a want for what I already have. And when you want what you already have, there's great contentment in knowing you got enough. And the truth is, when you have Christ, he is more than enough. Jesus gave this analogy, this metaphor in Matthew chapter 6, 24 through 28. He said, consider the birds or the ravens of the air. He said, they don't collect, go out and eat and collect food for tomorrow. You never see a bird go out and it stores up. It's not like a squirrel, (laughs) which does. A bird goes out and what's it do? It just eats what's available that day. It doesn't worry, I hope I have food tomorrow. hope I got tomorrow. I better save, I better get, I better put back. No, he says he just eats what he needs today. Then he says, consider the lilies or, or the flowers of the field. It says they do not labor or spend to find their beauty or security. They don't try to dress themselves up. They don't do anything to make themselves beautiful. They're already beautiful in the eyes of God. They don't spend to become more beautiful. And so as he's looking at this metaphor and as he's speaking this out, he's giving us this truth. One group spends One group saves. And he says, think about this. If you bring those kind of people, if you bring a raven or a bird into a marriage relationship and you bring a lily, a flower into a marriage relationship, one wants to save, one wants to spend. He says, then if you have a a generous father-in-law or mother-in-law that said, here, here's $1,000, do whatever you want with it, there will be an argument, I'll guarantee you. One will say, no, we need to save it. One would say, no, we need to spin <laughs> and beautify TJ Maxx, baby. Where can I go? <laughs> and so there's an argument. And both people, even the husband and the wife, they'll think that the other one has a money problem. You just have a money problem. You're just stingy. All you want to do is save. You don't want to enjoy life. And, and then he'll look at her and say, all you want to do is spend. We need to save. And both of you think you have a money problem. You are looking for money to do something for you, but God is supposed to do that for us. And so Jesus is saying, you both have a problem because God is already your significance and beauty is not your money. It's found in Jesus Christ. You see, once we believe that savings and possessions is our security, then we miss that God supplies all of our needs. Besides, if you and I are trusting alone in our 401 more than we are Jesus, then we have soon forgotten whose money it really is. If your day is dictated and the mood of your day is dictated by the rise and fall of the stock market and you find that you are upset or you are joyful because whether it went up or went down, then you are relying more on your own planning than on God's provision. 
Solomon would say later in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, we are to honor God with our wealth, the first fruits. Then your barns will be overflowing and your vats will be bursting forth with wine. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel in the Old Testament? Let me give you a brief encounter of that. Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer. Abel was shepherd or hunter. And so Cain gave And Abel both gave, but God rejected Cain's giving. You ever wonder why? You see, when Cain gave, he waited till the full harvest came in. He waited till the full crop came in. He waited till he knew how much he had, and he gave from that. Abel gave as soon as the sheep was born, and he didn't even know if another baby would be born. He gave because he wanted to give his first fruits. Cain gave based upon what he already knew he had and what he needed. And so God said, it's not so much what you give, it's when you give. And the point is, God wants us to give first to him and not worry about how the rest plays out. If you're giving based upon what you know is coming out and coming to you, then you are just saying, I trust more in my planning than I do in God. Our giving reflects what we value the most. Paul would say this in verse 11. Look at verse 11. Look what he says here. We'll begin at 10. He says, now he who supplies need, seed to the sower, and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to who? You see, generosity is not something God wants from us, but for us. Now think about that for a second. That's a whole different mindset. God doesn't want generosity. Think about it. God doesn't want generosity from us, but for us. Why? He says, if you give and generous, then guess there's a blessing that comes as a result of that. So I want you to be generous so that you receive generosity. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. Whoever reaps sparingly gets a return of a sparingly harvest. Whoever reaps generously gets a return of generous harvest. He said, I want something for you and not from you truth is God doesn't need our money but the giving of it the people is the means by which he does his ministry and mission on earth how about the boy with the five loaves and the two fish have you ever thought about that why did God make feed 5,000 people did it take five loaves and two fish like what if the boy says you know what all I got is one fish and one french fry (laughs) would that have fed 5,000 What if he said, God, or Jesus, all I got is a crouton and a fish fin? Would that have changed how he would have distributed the five? Would only 3,000 people have got fed? Would only 100 people have gotten fed? He didn't need it, but he multiplied it because it was given and surrender and love. Imagine how he wants to multiply your gift too. You know what gets forgotten in this story? It's this little boy and what happened afterwards. Do you remember what happened afterwards? So he gives his food. By the way, I don't think his mother and his father were with him because they would have been carrying the food. And so he comes along and there's Jesus speaking and he probably had a a typical young boy moment like, hey, that's Jesus. I got to go hear what he says and forgot where he was going. He was probably taking food home. 
And so he, he stopped and he listened to Jesus. And Jesus said, we need to feed the multitudes. And we don't have enough food. And, and so this little boy was standing there with his lunch and, and his family's meal that he had just gotten. And so he wanted to take it home. But he was, he was called up by Jesus. And so Jesus points him out. And he says, we need your, your food. And so the little boy just says, okay, can you imagine when he goes home? Because there was 12 baskets left over. And so he's on his way home. And on the way home, I'm convinced that Jesus said, here, take this food home with you. And probably took some home. And he, he goes to mom and dad. He says, I got to tell you this story. What, what story, son? Well, I, I was coming home and, 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 and I saw Jesus. And I kind of got distracted like most boys do. And I wanted to hear him talk. Is that why you're late? Yeah, that's why I'm late. But just hold on, Mom. Hold on, Dad. Let me tell you a story. And so I was standing there, and Jesus asked me for the food. And so what'd you do with it? I gave it to him. And what did he do next? He took it, and he fed 5,000 people with it, Mom and Dad. Yeah, right. Well, how'd he do that? Well, he just kept, kept it just, baskets just kept filling up. And they just kept filling up and filling up and filling up. And then when I left, I took this extra home for you. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Mom and Dad? See, even the reason the boy saw this is because he was generous enough to give all that he had. Let me just ask a very practical question, a very hard question today. If you were God, would you give you more? (laughs) Would you? If you were God, would you give you more? And the question is, why? So that you can save? So that you can spend? Or so that you can be generous to invest in the kingdom and multiply the kingdom? If you were God, would you give you more? And the reason God gives more is what? Because we're generous. And we plant in the kingdom of God. Hear me out. There's nothing wrong and saving for the future. We have savings plans. We have investment plans. But if there is a point where that is what you trust in more, then it will rot your soul. And there is nothing wrong with owning nice things. But if those nice things are what you delight in the most, it will rot your soul. If Jesus isn't your greatest delight, then it will rot your soul. So how do you know if you're a generous giver? How do you know if you're an extravagant giver? It's simple. You spend or save extravagantly, but don't give extravagantly. So answer the question, are you an extravagant giver? How do I know if I'm a generous giver? Am I spending more than I'm giving? Am I giving away more than I'm saving? And the point is this, if you're not doing it, then you're not generous. Can we really be honest and really probe at the heart a little bit here? Many of you don't really love God as much as you say you do. Or you'd be a lot more generous. This has nothing to do with how much you make. Because you can be generous on every income level. In fact, I've heard people say this. If I've heard it one time, I've heard it a hundred times, and they've said it's Pastor Jim, I wish I made more because then I would give more. Oh, baloney. If you're not given from what you have now, then why would you give a higher percentage more later? 
if you're not giving from where you're at now generously, why are all of a sudden is there going to be a change? You know what you're going to do? You're going to have the same pattern that you have now. You're either going to save or spend. You're going to be the bird or the lily. You're not going to give generously. And so the point is, start now where you're at. There's two ways to look at your resources. The first one is this. My life and my things belong to me. And how much do I have to give to God? It's like I owe God a tax. It's like, God, I'm going to tip you this week. I'm going to give you 10% because I have to. It's the Christian thing to do. The second view on the resources is this. Everything belongs to God. He's the owner and I'm the manager of it. And the truth is we are so rich compared to the rest of the world. We are in the top 2% in the world. And with that comes responsibility to use it for the kingdom of God. If you were to evaluate your life by your checkbook and receipts, what does it say that you love the most? (laughs) Woo! Talk about a hard question. Take a look. Well, I spent a lot there this week, didn't I? Woo, I love that. I love me some TJ Maxx. Woo! I love me some Amazon. Woo! Ooh, I love me some Texas Roadhouse steaks. Woo! Ooh, I love me some golf clubs. Woo! Ooh, I love me some college gear. Woo! What's the show? What's the show? Does it show that it's blessing and multiplying the kingdom? Whatever you give to shows what you value the most. Your love for God will be reflected in your extravagant, generous, hilarious giving to our great God who gave all for us. God loves a cheerful giver. Are you? Let me personalize it for a second. I'll just make make it very practicable and just kind of give you the inside scoop of the Brown household. You know, you're familiar with Malachi 3, 6 through 10. It says, bring your, your tithe into the storehouse. And it says, if you give, God will open up the floodgates of heaven and he will give so much that you won't be able to keep up. In other words, if you keep giving, then he'll keep giving back. And it, it's so much that you can't keep up. And, and, and so we believe the principles of the Bible and we've been practicing that since we've been very little. Even as a kid, I did that. And we have our children. Even our children, as soon as they had income, we ask them at a minimum, give 10%. And so I really encourage you too with your kids and you. A lot, of, a lot of you have children and you have them bank money, have them give to the church. Show them that principle early. And so ever since Ann and I have been married, we have always, always, always given a minimum of 10%. Even when we were below welfare for many of the early days when, when we were in college and seminary, when we stood in line to get peanut butter and diapers because we didn't have enough money, but we were praising God because he was providing all our needs because he does provide all our needs and he promises to do that. We gave 10%, and so every week, whatever that was, we gave, and we have been given that. And so recently, more recently, in the last 10 years, our goal has been this. We are going to give the same and more percentage to God than we do the government. <laughs> and so we made it a goal, like, okay, we're going to give as much to God as the government takes, because the government, listen, if you don't give to them, what happens to you? You get locked up. They just take it. And, and people ask me, so you give it off the gross or you give, it off, you give it off the net? I give it off the gross because the government takes it off the gross. 
And so we've had a, a journey for 10 years where we want to give as much or more to God and his work than we do the government. And we do. And let me tell you, it is so much fun. <laughs> and if you were to see my wife when she fills out the giving envelope, you know what she does? She puts a smiley face on it because she doesn't give reluctantly. She doesn't give out a, a compulsory mood. She gives like this. And we give like that. And let me tell you something. God has blessed our socks off. You see, some of you are afraid, and it's the only passage in the Bible that says, test me in this. Hear me out. And when you do, God comes through. There are tons of of ways that Grace Community Church makes an impact in our world and across the street and around the world. And people will say this, why should I give to Grace Community Church? And I say this, because this is where you come and be ministered to, and this is where your children grow up, and this is where they learn about Jesus, and this is where we send people around the world, and this is our hope is to be a mooring point of hope. Why wouldn't you give to a place where Jesus is being lifted high and people are coming to Christ? You see, there's plenty of money out there to make all this happen. But the problem is, it's in your checkbooks. (laughs) Does your money show that you delight in Jesus Christ? Tonight in our small groups, we're going to take time to look at money and a budget, and we have a video that the small group leaders are going to look at. And some of you can even go to the church website, and there's a, there's a worksheet there and a video done by Pastor Mike and, and Pastor John on, on how to budget your money. We encourage you to go there. But before you do that, I want you to spend time this afternoon and ask this question. Do I really love God? Is He my highest earthly treasure? Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts today, God, and I pray that, that, that we wouldn't just give for service and that we wouldn't just give for, for a, a two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. And some of us, we only give when we're here. And we only give, some of us have taken the whole summer off and we've been camping and we haven't given and we're kind of sporadic. And, but God, I don't want people just to give because it's the right thing to do, God. I want them, I want them to become generous for eternity. Because you say that, that we benefit from it. It's not what you can get from us. It's what you give to us as a result of giving. And I pray, God, that we become the most generous church on planet Earth. Why? Because what we have in you is worth sharing to those people across the street and around the world. God, we love you. Thanks for your provisional care. Check our hearts. And may our treasure, our highest treasure, always be you. And when it is, our giving will reflect that we value you the most. In Jesus' name, amen.